Well, here we are, one week until Christmas. Are you stressed yet? Well, if so, I dug way down into the box of episodes and I found a gem at the bottom that'll help you figure out how to unload some of it. And don't think I just did this flippantly because I didn't. In fact, I dug all the way down to episode number two because I want to help you figure out how to manage the overwhelm that you're feeling. I hope you enjoy the replay. I'll be back January 15th with new content for you. Talk to you then. Are you always running to try to catch up? Do you feel overwhelmed? Does it seem like you're always behind? Are you emotionally and mentally exhausted? Do you ever shame or judge yourself for not doing enough? If you answered yes to any of those questions, today's episode is tailor-made for you. Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome to The Eva Show. I'm Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm on a mission to help you acknowledge your worth, reclaim your power, and find your voice in this noisy world. If you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's a-okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. You ready to ditch expectations other people have put on you and rise to become who you've always wanted to be? Let's go. Today I'm diving into the topic of time management, specifically focusing on why all tasks aren't equal and why you might want to rethink what's on your schedule. I'm going to be honest, like some of this might challenge you a little, might go against the grain of what you've been taught to believe, and what I say for today might not be for you right now, but I'm bringing it because exploring this idea is incredibly important, and what I'm sharing with you comes from a place of hindsight. While you're here today, just listen with an open mind. Take a few seconds to pause and reflect and see if there's anything in here for you. And if it's not right now, shelve it and save it for later. Listen, take the meat you need, and spit out the bones, just like you would with any other idea presented to you. Stress and overwhelm have almost become status symbols, and this bothers me on so many levels because I just don't think there's anything noble about wearing yourself out, trying to do it all, or doing things you hate or don't care about, which is what most people are doing. Maybe you've said things like, my kids come first. I'll be fine. Mm, It's just until the semester's over. Yeah, I need to fill in the blank, but I don't have time. Oh, life will slow down when baseball season is finished, or soccer, or dance. Getting it all done like you want is a challenge as it is. But it's pretty much impossible when you're running on empty because you can do a whole lot of things for a while, but it's not sustainable to live like that. You can't run on fumes. I'm not going to promise that what I share today is going to solve all of your challenges, but I pinky swear the principles I'm going to share with you will bring clarity to some areas of your life. A lot of people talk about work-home-life balance, but the word balance indicates that things are supposed to have equal weight, and that's not possible. You can't give each of your people equal attention. Let's face it, some kids need more than others at different times. If somebody gets sick, like I'm talking hospital long-term care sick, getting that person well gets all of your energy, mental and physical. 
And if you've got a special needs child, you already know you're not giving the exact same focus to your other kids. So when you throw in a partner, a job, friendships, and any ways that you might be serving your community, you're definitely not in balance as far as equal goes. I don't think balance is possible, but I do think harmony is possible. And harmony comes when the stressors of everyday life aren't overwhelming. They're still there, but they don't knock you down. When you can notice a few areas that might be lacking, but you still have peace overall about the direction things are going, that's harmony. Your life has a lot of moving parts, though. So I think when it gets like that, it starts to feel crazy. It's helpful to zoom out and get a bird's eye view of, of well, everything. So how do, you, how do you go from chaos and overwhelm to feeling peaceful and content? By majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors. So let's talk about that. What are the majors? How do you differentiate them from the minors? The first major to major on is you. You have to advocate for yourself because, well, nobody else is gonna. And taking care of yourself looks different for everybody. What you need as far as self-care goes and having your needs met depends on a lot of factors and only you can decide what those are. But girlfriend, wayfinder, change maker, beautiful badass, please hear my heart on this. You've been programmed to think less of yourself and your needs and I'm here to tell you that's bullshit. It is and here's why. Because you're the center of it all. It has to start with you, not in an ego kind of way. Hear my heart. You're not more important than anyone else, but your needs are as valid as anyone else's, and it's time to stop acting like you don't have any because you don't want to inconvenience anyone. You are the hub of your family. Things have to start with you because you're the one who gives so much of yourself away to everybody else every day. You're a big doer, and you might think that putting your needs on the back burner all the time makes you look good to other people, but it's selfish. Yep, that's what I said. It is selfish to always put your needs last because it means you're not showing up as the strongest version of yourself for the people you love the most. You're the one who gets it done, the one who makes everything happen. And if you don't do it, who even knows how long things will sit there and get undone? So, To clarify a little more, I don't think it's bad to do a lot, and I'm not dogging out the people who like a faster pace or, you know, want a fuller plate. But if you answered yes to any of the questions that I asked at the start of the episode, I just think it's appropriate to explore the ways you can shift your mindset about all the things you oversee on a regular basis. Because think about it. Who's giving to you? Who's making sure you're eating nutritious food? Who's making sure you're getting enough exercise? Who worries about how much rest you're getting and whether you're doing too much? What about making sure that you have all the support you need? Who's making sure that you're happy and nobody's bullying you and that you're not overtasked and that you're being treated well? Who do you think is lying awake at night wondering about your emotional welfare? And what kind of frame of mind you're operating from every day? Your kids? Your partner? Your coworker? Your boss? Your best friend? 
Yeah, sure, you have people who care about you, no doubt. But do they care about you like that? Do they feel guilty because they're not giving enough to you? Are they wondering how they can give more and do more for you? How they can support you more? Who's doing that? It has to be you. When you're evaluating whether something gets a spot in your life, I think you have to screen it through some filters. Filters like capacity. Do you have the desire to do this thing or have this thing in your life? Do you have the bandwidth to do it or to do the things that come along with having it? Do you have the support you need for it? So if you wanted to take on a new thing, do you have the support from the people you need? Are they willing to give up the thing that they're going to have to maybe sacrifice so that you can do that thing? You've got to consider the capacity. Another filter is the value. The value of what the new thing is, what it brings to you personally, to your people, to your lifestyle. And equally as important is the value of it versus the time you're trading for it. There are a lot of good things that you can do, but you have to realize that they often come with the price. You know, the joke is that when you buy something, you're not just paying to own it. You also have to consider that part of the cost of owning that item includes the cost of what it takes to maintain it. Cars are great, but it's not just $20,000 or $50,000 you're spending. There's oil changes and tires and other kinds of maintenance. You have to think about the time you're trading for that thing, the value that it brings. Another filter is that it has to be in alignment with your values and with your purpose. There are a lot of things that you can do, but if they're not in alignment with your purpose or maybe they don't quite line up with the values that you have, then maybe you need to rethink it or give it more consideration before you decide. Another filter is timing. There was absolutely nothing wrong with me going to college. But when I was homeschooling two little boys that needed a lot of my attention, there wasn't time for that because in order to do college the way I wanted to do college, I was going to have to give up some of the things that I was doing at home for the family. Everything you do is a representation of who you are. So you don't want to let your signature be mediocrity. And that's why you have to use these filters. And you have to be careful of distractions. There are things you can do that are fun, noble, worthy, really good causes, stuff you're interested in, but you have to consider whether you have to say no to something good so that you can say yes to something bigger that's burning inside you. And since we only get this one limited time only, no returns, no exchanges life that we know is finite and we have no idea when it's going to expire, I just want to know, why aren't we running like our hair is on fire toward the things we want more of? The second of the majors to major on is tasks. I think that there are two problems we face when it comes to tasks. We assume they're all equal and they're not, and we don't know how to prioritize the things we need to do. When I was a teenager, I applied for a job at Pizza Hut. I had been a server before in a couple of different restaurants. And so when I went for the interview, I was expecting those dumb questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? 
but I was not prepared for what this manager asked me. We were sitting in one of the booths talking, and she said, okay, well, here's a scenario. A group of customers just walked in the door. One of your orders is up, and your guests at that table over there have been sitting for a few minutes, and they need their drink order taken. Tell me everything you do and the order you do it in. I thought about it for a few seconds, and I said, grab the food, walk past the customers, greet them, tell them you'll be back to seat them in just a minute. Walk past the table, who needs their drink order taken, and tell them you'll be right back to get that, and then go deliver the hot food. Then go seat the customers, then go take the drink order, make the drinks, deliver them, check on the people who got their pizza, make sure everything is okay, ask if they need anything, and then go take the drink orders for the people I just seated. And she started looking at my application, and she's like, where did you get your training from? And I was like, what training? What are you talking about? She said I was the only person who'd ever answered it correctly. And she wanted to know where I had learned all that. I think sometimes when we're managing our households, we don't know how to prioritize because it's easy to kind of think all things are equal and or because we don't know where to start when there's a lot that needs our attention. I think we tend to live passively, kind of waiting for things to come at us before we decide how we're going to handle them, or even to handle them. But you can't feel good or calm or like you're in any kind of control if you're always running to put out fires all the time, right? And sometimes we write things down and we think that lists will make us successful. And lists are great. I love them. I use them a lot. But it doesn't mean you're going to be successful at getting things done just because there is a list, even if you check everything off. Because Sometimes you're not even focused on the right thing. And sometimes you look at the list and you just go, oh, well, there's like seven things on here. And then, you know, sometimes you start to think things like, oh, well, these three are small. They won't take long. One of these is time consuming. This one's going to require my undivided attention. These are kind of in the middle. They're not big, but they're not tiny. And we think things like, I'm going to do all the little ones first, and then I'll tackle the big one, or I'll do the biggest one first, or the hardest one first, or the one that takes the most time, and the other things I'll do when the baby's napping or when the kids are in bed. And sometimes people will use the measuring stick of when is there a deadline, and all of those things are fine ways to look at it. But I think it's important that we look at the things and figure out what has the most value, because Most of the time, what we call a priority is actually just something that had a predetermined deadline that was probably set by somebody else. And that means that most of what we're doing is reactionary or passive rather than proactive or intentional. And sometimes it's okay to be passive. It might even be necessary in some cases, you know, where you just sit and wait for things to come at you. Maybe you need certain things from other places before you can do anything. So you have no choice but to wait. But I think there's a lot more within our control than we realize, or maybe even what we're willing to admit. When I was in high school, I took a class called Vocational Office Education. V-O-E. It met every day of the week for half of the day. And uh, in that class, we learned typing, shorthand, which no one uses anymore, counting and finance ledgers, office etiquette, stuff like that. And we did our typing every day, but she always sent us home with shorthand homework. 
And if I sat down and had done it straight through, it would have probably taken, I don't know, 20-ish minutes. But my agenda included only flirting with boys and talking to boys on the phone. So I never did my homework. And toward the end of the semester, like a week before, she would remind us about how our homework is a certain percentage of our overall grade. And I would go up and ask if I could turn it all in at once at the end of next week. And my teacher always said yes. And it meant that I was going to spend the last week of the quarter doing all nine weeks worth of shorthand homework and nursing a sore, cramped hand. It never once actually occurred to me that there might be a smarter way to do it. I was just living on the fly back then, not letting anything keep me far away from my real focus, which was boys. One of the times that I turned in my homework, Miss Pruitt said to me as I was walking away, you know, Eva, it's easier to keep up than it is to catch up. And, you know, I didn't care about what some old woman had to say to me. I was, you know, 17 and thought I knew it all. And I just blew it off. But I remembered it. And I didn't appreciate the concept until much later. And once I did, though, I saw the beauty of it. It was kind of actually hard to unsee it. And I realized how it applies to so many other areas of my life, like dishes and laundry and yard work. Dusting, sweeping, and vacuuming, they're all straightforward because, you know, they take the same amount of time to do them every time you do them, regardless of how long they've been let go, unless, you know, there's something big, like lipstick is going to take longer to clean off of a mirror than just normal water splashes, right? But dishes and laundry, like yard work, they get way worse the longer you leave them. And if, you know, maybe you've been in the position where, all the dishes were dirty and you needed to actually like wash bowls or silverware that you needed just so you can eat dinner or you have to wash clothes that you're going to wear immediately and then you got to get to the rest of the laundry later. And neglecting your own needs is basically the same thing. A lot of people are constantly operating with a barely get by posture. And while that might be normal, it's not okay. In the first episode, I mentioned That on an airplane, when the cabin pressure changes, you know, they tell you to put on your mask before you help anybody else with their oxygen mask. And I said, I thought it should be that way in everyday life, too. And today, I'm telling you again, you need to put your mask on at home first as well. So this is why you put yourself on the schedule so that you get the things you need attended to as well as everything else. Doing this means that you are not constantly operating from emotional leftovers where you're barely able to put two coherent sentences together. It means that your body is getting quality food instead of just settling for whatever Franken food they're throwing out of the nearest window when you drive by. It's about whether you're spending time reading to your kids or having them read to you instead of reading about what celebrities are doing or about the drama the real housewives of wherever are serving up. It's about whether your spiritual needs are addressed, whatever that looks like for you. Most people think making a schedule is about taking every single thing that you're in charge of or part of and just fitting it into slots on your calendar. That's not prioritizing. That's doing a 3D jigsaw puzzle of your life where you take all the pieces in the box and figure out how to make them stick to the other pieces. I'm talking about real prioritizing, like 
prioritizing your life Marie Kondo style, where you take each piece, each thing that's in your life, and you evaluate it. Obviously, you can't throw out everything that doesn't bring you joy, but can you take an honest look at each area and admit that maybe not all of it has to stay, that some things can go, whether they disappear for a season or a lifetime? Can I address a couple of specifics for you to consider? They may challenge you a little. Before I mention them, I'm not saying any of these are bad or unworthy. This is strictly about gathering information because information, it's just data. And even if you don't like it, it's still useful. You can still use it. So this is about whether your hand needs to be in every single one of the things that's happening. Not only if there's someone else already waiting in the wings to take it over so that it's easier or anything like that. This is about you and only you and what you need. Because your job and any organization that you're part of will always replace you when you leave. They might miss you. They might miss your sparkling personality. They might miss the way you did things with your special touch. But they're still going to replace you. This is about imagining and exploring what it would look like to have some things off of your plate. And you need to gather honest data so that you can make an informed decision instead of operating on autopilot. If you need to reduce some of the overwhelm that you're feeling, there are three things that you can consider to use as a springboard to see what might serve you best. Eliminate, delegate, and outsource. For eliminating, can you not coach the youth sports team? Is it possible that your child would only participate in one thing at a time? Your child doesn't have to do dance and soccer. Could your child just do one of those at a time? Do you have to be the person who does all the household chores? How about manage all the finances? Do you have to teach Sunday school? What about meeting with your coworkers outside of work? Do you have to attend every baby shower, barbecue, or birthday party that you or your child is invited to? Can any of those be delegated to someone else? Even if it means that before you can shift responsibility to, say, one of your older children for something around the house, you have to invest some time teaching them how to do it, right? But that's okay, because in the long run, it helps them, teaches them something, and it helps you. Can you outsource any of those? From the time our kids were little, we always said that when we could afford it, we would outsource cleaning the house. Believe it or not, I actually knew a woman who said that she would never outsource the cleaning of her house to anyone else because she wanted to be the person who cleaned up after her family. And I said, oh, no, no. I joked and I was like, somebody else can definitely clean our toilets. I do not have to be the person that does that. And she said, no, she would never allow that. So to each his own. You don't, if you're not interested in having housekeepers, don't hire them. If you want to mow your own yard, then do it. If that's a priority. This is about how you need to do the things that you want your hand in. And you, you shouldn't, you know, be afraid to get creative. Try something. You can always tweak it later. If you outsource something and you don't like it, don't outsource it anymore. Take it back. If you can't eliminate something altogether, figure out ways that you can get creative with it. 
We were pretty careful about not overloading our kids with too many extracurricular activities, and that helped a lot. We let the boys participate only in the things they were most passionate about at that time, but we made sure to hold a lot of space for them so they could explore their other interests, be creative, and they wouldn't have every single minute taken up. We allowed time for them to be a little bored. One of the things I did wrong, though, was I usually stayed up too late after everybody else went to bed. I did it because I'd given so much of my emotional energy to the kids. I was always trying to recover and recharge. I like a lot of alone time. I'm fairly introverted, and I like silence and time to process. But the problem was it was never enough because my sleep was in a deficit. And I used to joke, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead, except the joke was on me because I was setting myself up for an earlier grave. Burnout is a real thing, and it's what happens when you run on too little for too long. High-achieving women are more prone to suffer health problems because they go too far for too long with too little. And it didn't help that I didn't know how to make sure my nervous system stayed regulated. So ask yourself what you need in order to feel supported rather than overwhelmed or anxious or worn out. For a season, maybe it would benefit you to shift your sleep schedule a little bit. You know, if you're a night owl, getting up in the morning earlier might be a challenge, but anything you change will give you information. And it may not be the answer, but it might lead you, it might serve as a springboard to lead you to something else that unlocks the key to the other things you weren't even aware of. So, you... And your tasks. I don't know anything technical about music other than that it has sharps and flats and it's still possible for it to sound good. And I think that can apply here too. Your life will have sharps and flats, but focus on creating harmony for you and your tasks and you can minor on the minors later, okay? Okay, my friend, that's it for me today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'd love to hear any feedback you would care to share. You can email me at the address in the show notes or hit me up on Instagram at I'm Eva Miller. Talk soon.